My next guest last stepped foot in the cage back in April of 2008. She's fought and won against notables like Julie Kenzie, Hitomi Akano, and Shana Balsler. And she fought um, the first in, in the first all-female shows, including Smack Girl and Bow Dog Fight. She has held titles in both Ring of Fire and Smack Girl and was seconds away from defeating Tara La Rosa in an incredible 2006 battle. On today's episode, I have one of the original women's MMA pioneers, Amanda Buckner. Hey, 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 this is Evolve WMMA, and I'm your host, Shelly Devine. Hi, Amanda. Hi. There you are. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. You look like nice and comfy. It looks beautiful out where you are sitting. I'm yeah. inside. <laughs> yeah. Is it too dark out here, do you think? No, you look okay. great. All right, good. Awesome. So so great to have you on. Yeah. So you have um, a grappling match coming up. I do, Saturday. Yeah, tell us a little about that. So it's um, one of the Pro Fight to Win events. Um, and myself and Jay and, uh, who is my husband and one of our black belts, um, Paul Gorman, who has been with us forever. Um, the three of us are doing it together. So it's pretty cool. Cause Jay and I haven't competed in, got a grappling tournament. I haven't done since, I, I don't even know how many years. I think I did one or two once I started fighting. So it's been that long since I've done a grappling tournament. Just so just great jujitsu. <laughs> oh, that's like 2002 or something? Yeah, yeah, that long. Wow. And Jay, uh, same thing with Jay. So neither one of us have competed in straight up grappling in that long. Um, and even with fighting, well, we've both been retired for, you know, seems like 8 million years. I don't even know how long it's been. But so we haven't competed in anything combat sport related in a really, really long time. Um, Paul's been a little bit more active, but he's kind of winding down also. Um, but it's kind of cool because he's been with us since he was an 18-year-old kid um, and has been with us for a long time. So to all do it together is kind of a cool experience. And almost all of our students, most 98% of our students never had a chance to see us, you know, compete in anything. Um, so it's kind of cool that way, too. I think my dogs are about to get insane running around. Are they okay? <laughs> yeah, they just, I got home not that long ago, so they're deciding this is time to play. Yeah. And sprint, apparently. So you have, <laughs> I think it's you have some beautiful dogs. I've seen pictures. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. They're gorgeous. There's four of them. Um, they're, all, they're all really good dogs. They're a handful, but, you know, that's our, that's our passion equal to jujitsu is our dogs. Nice. So this is a, this is a big thing because I, I was looking back to see when you were last looking to fight even in the cage, and that was back in 2012, I think. Yeah. And, yep. and you had a knee, you suffered a knee injury where you had to have surgery. So it kind of kept you out of the game. So yeah. yeah, I tore my ACL then. And it was kind of, I was at a period where it was becoming really difficult. These dogs have no sense of personal space at all. They've almost <laughs> killed me multiple times. Um, so I was kind of at a point where it was getting difficult to find fights. Uh -huh. Um, and then I, I don't know if I had found a fight or if I was just training, but ended up tearing my ACL. 
and that kind of just sort of ushered me into um, an unplanned and unwanted retirement. <laughs> yeah. If it was up to me, I would still be fighting. Like I, I love it. I miss it, you know, but unfortunately it's um, the training is really tough on your body. Yeah. So it's not even so much the fight itself. It's just the way we train anyway. It's just, um, it's a lot, you know, and recovery becomes harder. Injuries add up, you know, it's like, we're already getting out of bed in the morning, like all crumpled over and it takes you 10 minutes to stand up straight and mm -hmm. <laughs> all of that. So, um, well, yeah, you so would know you've, you've been in it for a long time. I mean, you're, you're a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which, um, you've been a black belt belt for some time now. Yeah, I think, I think, I think this year I might be due for my third stripe. So I'm a, I believe I lose track sometimes. Um, so I think I'm a third degree, almost a third degree. And Jay is uh, got his a couple of years, I think, ahead of me. So wow, yeah, it's wow. crazy. Like <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, it's and you two have been together for for a very long time. He's kind of your, he kind of got you involved in. Yeah, he's the one that introduced arts. me to the sport. Like I had never heard of jujitsu and I had never heard of mixed martial arts. I didn't, I played basketball. That's what I did um, all through my whole life and through college. Um, I had never done any martial arts at all. So he's the one that introduced me to that whole thing. Um, and he was fighting at the time. So it was just, it, I saw him fight and immediately knew it was something that I wanted to do. And then it just kind of took off from there. <laughs> he's, he's a very memorable fighter to, to see. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen you actually fight. I, you know, like live or anything yep. like that. I did see, I met you though, watching your husband. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he even left a mark in my head. <laughs> He's a, he's a memorable uh, person. He did a suplex. <laughs> he did a suplex of the guy. Yeah. He just like and then jumped him back. I, yeah. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> but, yeah. but um, for our listeners, and uh, you, they've probably heard this story before. But um, I met Amanda. I was, you know, shoulder to shoulder in this. Uh, oh gosh, um, I, I think it was someplace in Massachusetts. It was at some some. I'm um, sure it was some small. Yeah, small yeah. MMA match, you know, like, and it was shoulder to shoulder. It was like yeah. all kinds of like people standing around yeah. and, and I'm standing next to you and you're, you got the tats on, your hair's yeah. spiked up, looking like a badass. And I'm like, damn, she looks like a fighter, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I think I'm going to talk to her and find yeah. out what the deal is. I'm like, do you fight? And she's like, yeah. But when you ever said you fought MMA, I was like, huh? How, yeah, back how then it was like people didn't even realize they were still shocked. A lot of people were shocked to find out that women even did it. And uh, it, was in, right here. it was a totally different uh, story than it is now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, it opened up a whole new world. I, and yeah. then I went home and I'm like, Oh my God, what's going on? Like, I can't believe there's women's MMA. And I mean, Amanda yeah. introduced me to um, women were fighting over in Japan and she's one of the original pioneers um, that fought some, uh, some, maybe um for our listeners because it's a newer audience and they yeah. don't know the history probably the names yeah i think they probably don't even know a lot of the names that were bigger names back then you know yeah and i mean you had some major fights you were a title holder for um for ring of fire and smack girl and you i think you almost um you kind of like almost it was like a a, a quick match against terror not a quick match but um 
a very like down to the wire win for oh, yeah. Tom Rosa. That was a great fight. That was a great fight. When even though I lost, I still counted as you know one of my favorite fights just because it was. You know, yeah, I yeah. Felt like we both put on a good performance that night, so it was it was a good one. Yeah, you. I mean, you guys made all the excitement for you. You, you guys. You know, it was kind of an up and down roller coaster yep. ride um, yep. with promotions. You never knew if you were going to have work or you. Were oh, yeah, fight. yeah. And it wasn't like it is now where there's a very clear goal, you know what I mean? Like everyone that starts fighting now knows where they're trying to get to, you know what I mean? Like everyone is trying to get to the UFC, you know, it, it's, yeah. it wasn't like that then, you know, there was no, I mean, there was the UFC obviously, but for women, you know, that didn't exist. So there was no, you know, one place that all the women were trying to get to and one uh, title that everyone was trying to win. It was just, whatever promotion was trying to make a run at it then and was willing to have women fight, you know, yeah. which was not all of them. Yeah. Can you give us a little history of like uh, some of the promotions and what it was like when you were first starting out, like, uh, like fighting for smack girl or um, bow dog, uh, what it was like for you guys to actually, you know, go. Cause they were kind. They they kind of set up on like was there like a little like didn't Smack Girl or one of them Bodog set up on like a tropical island or something somewhere? Yeah. So yeah, Bodog. Um. So they were always someplace different. You yeah. Know, so with them. I think we went to and it was like the um. You know they did the TV aspect of it, so it was a whole production part of it. Mm -hmm. So when you would go, you'd go for like the a week, but the whole first part was just filming. You know different random scenarios that they would come up with like literally random things like in costa rica they had me climbing a tree like literally really? like they just stuff that they think they would think up that maybe this would look cool you yeah. know of course they don't end up using most of it but just yeah. you would walk around during and they would say okay go do this thing or go do that thing or you know go all the way in the water and then rise up out of the water or just <laughs> you know, like, you know, what does this have to do with yeah, fighting <laughs> stuff like that. and then you would just fit your training in around you know whatever was happening and then it would towards the end of the week it would lead up to the fight which was set up you know it was it was like a closed set sort of thing so all the other fighters were there but it's like there wasn't a uh audience you know what I mean? There wasn't, it wasn't like an MMA show where there was all the, this crowd. It was just this small, intimate thing of, you know, the people to do with the show and uh, the oh, other wow. fighters, which for me, I loved. Yeah. Like, I loved that part. Like, I would love it if nobody watched me fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they show the film later or something like that. I like the fight part. I don't so much love the, you know, being in front of a bunch of people part. Right. So that's fascinating. I didn't realize, I thought they might've had an audience. I didn't even realize that. I learned something new right now about that. I, um, so how did they, did they uh, sell the videos of the fights? To yeah, I think so. so. They, they, had, they had a, I know they had a series um, that aired on like Ion Network or something like that. Hmm. So I think every, like once a week or whenever it, whenever it aired once a week would be an episode that would feature um, I don't know if it was one of the fights or two of the fights or whatever. So they had some kind of TV deal. So I don't know if like that's how it got financed or what, but obviously they didn't last. So, <laughs> which was unfortunate because it was really fun. Um, yeah. That was a great experience. And we got to travel to places that, you know, we wouldn't have ended up uh, going on our own. Yeah. Um, and you got to hang around like some, a bunch of other fighters, which ended up being pretty cool in a lot of cases. You got to know a lot of people that you wouldn't have otherwise because you spent so much more time 
you know, it wasn't just showing up for weigh-ins and then having the fight the next day and then leaving like a normal promotion. So right. that was, that was a really good experience. Yeah. That sounds like a blast too. And you get yeah. a little mini vacation kind of. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can see why they went out of business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I can imagine how much that cost. Oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I never knew why they went out of business. Now I know why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, too much money. Yeah, I was going to tropical places. This is a great idea. I wonder who the I wonder who banked that. Banked yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What the hell? Yeah. I mean, maybe they could could re you know like re like sell the videos now. I think people you know as a nostalgia thing you know to look back and say okay this is what we were doing. This is and yeah. They probably could just saying you know my idea. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can claim it if they ever do it. <laughs> yeah, people might be interested in seeing those fights for sure. Yeah. I'm sure they were like awesome, but oh my gosh, that's too funny. I had no idea about that. I learned something. Yeah. From, wow. So you met your husband out in Boulder, Colorado, and you guys yep. both trained out there. Yeah. And, yep. and um, how long were you guys out there before you moved to Maine? I never can remember exactly. Like my memory isn't super great. Uh, we were out there at least a few years though. Um, and then it kind of got time where he wanted to open his own school. So he taught at um, Amal Easton's place in Boulder. Um, he is both of our teachers. Um, and then my family's in Maine also. So I knew at some point I wanted to move back to Maine and Jay knew he wanted to open a school. So uh, I actually had an illness situation. It's like one of those things where something happens and it makes you make a move. I had an illness situation come up mm -hmm. um, and it was just kind of one of those, you know, unexpected things and makes you want to kind of be closer to your family or that was kind of the the catalyst and timing wise, it, it worked out also. So that's how we ended up, um, back in Maine in 2003. And then that's when we opened the gym. So this year is actually 15 years that we've been open, which is crazy. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So for our listeners, they have, um, the Academy of MMA in Portland, Maine, right? Yep. 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 Wow. That's awesome. That's, yeah. that's great. That's a, that's a long time to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It nuts Cause it's like, I still remember when we opened, you know, it definitely does not seem like it's been that long. Yeah. Wow. So you're pretty much, you're coaching and training fighters now. Um, at yeah. And our main thing is really like, we, we don't push the fighting aspect. If somebody comes in and they want to fight, that's fine. Um, we don't have like a big fight team. Um, and we kind of, we have really high standards for uh, what we require for people to be able to fight for us. So if we have somebody come in and they say they want to fight, which these days it's like, you know, everybody thinks they want to and thinks that they can. Um, I lay it out right away. Um, like it's going to be at least a year. We have all these requirements that you have to meet before we will even consider putting you in the ring for an amateur fight. You know, so depending on what they're, we're looking for people that are trying to make themselves and their lives better through the sports that we do. We're not looking for people that, you know, look at MMA like it's skydiving or something, or it's, you know, want to be caught up in the movie of, oh, now I'm a fighter. You know, like we're not looking for that at all. And I'll direct people to another gym. You know, I'm like, look, there's all kinds of gyms that you go in and they will put you in a week from now you know, and not care at all about your skill level or what happens, you know, and they're totally fine with it. That is not us. Mm -hmm. So I just tell people, if that's what you're looking for, this is not the place. Mm -hmm. um, so we kind of focus a lot on uh, 
Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is probably like our biggest thing. And most of the people, we have people that compete, we have people that fight, but most of the people that come to us are doing it for uh, self-defense. You know, they started out doing it for self-defense or like fitness or um, just like an activity that they want to get into. Um, That's great. And same thing, with, like I said, with competing, we have some people that compete, but it's, it's not something we push um, because we're really not interested in people that uh, sort of, I guess, selfishly do it for the same reasons that we do it. You know what I mean? Like we want people that use it as a way to make themselves stronger and to challenge themselves. You know, we, we don't really care even so much about the outcomes. If somebody goes out and like really gives an amazing effort, that's all I care about. I don't care if they come home with a IBJJF medal, you know, like I just don't care about any of that crap. I care what it does to them as a person. So that's kind of the focus of our whole gym, really. That's awesome. That's a great yeah. way to be. That's, I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's all about char character development, really. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why I got involved in martial arts. It was more that. And then I just discovered this whole other aspect of, of um, you know, training and, and then the competing. And I mean, yeah. I wasn't much into competing myself. I, I just really love the art and, and training. Yeah. But it, but, but I don't it, like competing. My mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like competing for me is a, um, it is a, it's a way to make myself continue to grow. You know what I mean? And it always was, it was a way to make myself stronger and to give myself the challenges that would make me a better and stronger version of myself. I don't love the actual, like, I hate nerves. You know, I hate a lot of the stuff that goes along with competing, mm -hmm. but uh, because it is hard for me, it gives me the results I want of becoming a stronger person, you know? So it, that was the motivation to continue to do that. And with the MMA, it was just so challenging to be able to do the sport, you know, because it's so uh, encompassing and it's so you have to be good at so many different things and you have to be mentally strong. And it just was kind of that total package of um, uh, the biggest challenge that pretty much I could find at the time anyway. Yeah, compare. I mean, you said you you, you played basketball, right? Yeah. Before, and yeah, I mean, what a what a complete difference from oh, yeah. that sport to to this sport and actually yeah. competing in this sport. It's it's. I mean, I I grew up with softball, yeah, um, baseball, basketball, yeah. did Same a little soccer. Me. So and nothing has compared. Oh yeah, like I used <laughs> to think I got nervous for basketball games. Yeah. Um, until I started competing in grappling and MMA. And then it was like, I realized that was a joke. You know, yeah. it was, it, it wasn't even in the same arena. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have team, but you, you know, you have a team sport. Yeah. Um, but in, in, in martial arts, you, you are trained with a team, but then it's, right. it's all you. Yeah. It's yeah, all you're you. the only one out there. And I've always, I always felt lucky in the way that I feel like I, like Jay and I have always had such a great coaching relationship and he is such a great coach and corner. Um, and I've always felt like that kind of, I felt like I had an extra half a person in there with me, yeah. you know, because I developed a, a really strong skill of being able to listen while competing. Um, and that combined with him being such a great coach, I always felt like there was a little bit, I at least had a little bit of like somebody else in there with me so it was was the best of it because other than that you are just in there by yourself <laughs> right right yeah I, I i read somewhere where you referred to your husband as the best kept coaching secret in the sport <laughs> yeah i mean he really is like he's an amazing coach he has an incredible eye um and he's very good at communicating uh in the moment you know what i mean and the coaching that i hear is 
horrendous. Some of the coaching I hear, a lot of the coaching I hear, like whether it's an MMA fight or even at grappling matches, it is crazy. Like you listen to what these people are saying and it's just like that, that is not coaching. Like that might be cheerleading. It might be, I don't know what it is, but it's not coaching. Like you're not helping, you know, like for me, it's like, he's very good at saying specific things to actually do. Yeah. You know, and I've learned to like, I trust him completely. So if he, if he tells me to do something, even if I can't feel it, or if I don't see it, like, I'll just do it because I know he sees something that I, I'm not seeing right then, you know, cause you get tunnel vision or you feel tired or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. I just put my trust in, in what he's yelling out at me, you know? <laughs> so. so you, I mean, you've been in the position of coach. Um, I think it was back around 2012, 2013, you coached um, Jill Venezuela and and Maria Rios both, yep. both won two fights. What was that yep. like for you when you were coaching, you know, female fighters? It's great. You know, it's, I'm not sure that it's, uh, well, I was gonna say, I'm not sure that it's any different, but it is a little bit, I guess, just because I, I want women to succeed in the sport, you know, so it's um, to see them go through the training and then to see them do well and just see them participating in the sport. It was always really cool to be able to uh, actually coach women and feel like that was growing a little bit. Um, so that was really cool. I wish we had more of that. Like I would love to coach another female that was interested in fighting, but it's just, there still aren't that many. It's way better than when I started, but especially like in a small state like Maine, where the population that's interested is already so small, you know, it's just, it's not that common. You know, there's not that many female fighters that come out of the state, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I met you at um, a grappling um, uh, tournament earlier this year and you were coaching. Were you coaching yeah, we, guys or did you have any females? We did actually. So we have a bunch of girls training at the gym now, which is great. Um, probably maybe the biggest group we've had maybe ever um, as far as overall. And I think that day we had like six girls competing. Mm -hmm. So we have, we definitely have more girls that are interested in competing now. Um, than we have in a long time, which is cool. Cause I love, I love coaching people at tournaments Yeah, you know, in MMA fights. Like I just, I love it in general, um, whichever sport it is. So it's cool to see them getting into that aspect of it. Cause it's a way to test your jujitsu. You know, it's one thing to train in the gym. It's another thing to feel it against somebody that is not your teammate. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a good experience to have, even if you only want to go through it one time to see what it feels like, I encourage people to do it just for that, you know, but we have some girls that are uh, getting into it pretty steadily. So they're newer, but it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to see. That's awesome. Are they, um, you know, where they're doing the grappling or the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, is there any desire for them to get into any sort of striking and, and combine the MMA aspect? Or, or are they just like, no, I think I'll stick. Because I've noticed yeah. there's a lot more women doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah. A lot more. A lot um, more. It's great. I see it, you know, so much in gyms. There's, there's the, all these little communities now yep. happening where they'll have just a, a, a an all women's class for Brazilian yep. jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Yeah, no, I definitely, it's definitely more interest in jujitsu. Um, I think we have one girl right now that she's our little 14 year old. I say little, but she's actually not little. She's my size. Actually, she's bigger than me. Um, and she is like, she is dedicated and she is determined she is going to fight. Um, and so she loves, you know, she likes striking. She loves sparring MMA. She loves jujitsu. Uh, 
but she's 14, you know, so she can't even do it for another four years, even if she wanted to. So, um, but she is all gung ho about it, but she's probably the only one that we have that, uh, is interested in getting punched in the head, which is, you know, (laughs) normal. I always tell people it's like, that's normal. It's not, it's more abnormal to want to actually fight. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah. I think the first time that it happens in the gym, you're like, Okay. Yeah. You know, that's not that bad. And and I mean, if you're saying that, then you're a true, like you're like, you're in. (laughs) If you get smacked and you're like, hell no. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I'm done. Then you know. But but for me, it was like, "Ah, yeah, you know, not bad. I can take it. It's as bad as you think it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah. So funny. I don't even know. We, 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 I, I don't know for, for some of us ladies that are doing this, I'm like, yeah, we got like a little, a little bit of a, a bolt loose. Well, it's like women just have a lot more, um, conditioning to overcome, I think, you know, yeah. so just even to entertain the concept of the sport and getting punched in the face and all like, that's just not something, even wrestling, yeah. you know, it's like women just have that whole thing to overcome of that's not something we started when we were kids, you know, a lot of us, unless you were a tomboy, like I was, yeah. you know, it's like most yeah. women grow up not roughhousing and wrestling. And so I just think it's, it's definitely slower to uh, become an option for women. I think even these days, you know, it's yeah. great to see. Cause I think it does happen much, much younger. You know, you, some of these girls that are getting into the sport so young, it's crazy. Like, like this girl at our gym. I'm like, if I had found this at 14, oh, crazy. you know, it's just, yeah. it's crazy to think. Like I was 27, I think when I started, yeah. you know, so it, it is amazing to see girls that young, even knowing what it is and wanting to do it is, is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great opportunity. I mean, there's so many yeah. things that they can do now that even when I was growing up, there weren't like, I mean, there was no, no girls playing, you know, soccer. <laughs> there was yeah. no girls. Yeah, we didn't even have a girl's soccer team. Yeah, I, mean, granted, I was at a small school in Maine, but there was no girl's yeah. soccer team much less. There was no wrestling period for boys right. or girls. It was just a straight up, uh, yeah. you know, regular mainstream sports. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. So can you share a story um, during your fighting career where you had an aha moment of realization? Oh, God. Um, I think uh, a fight that really was a turning point for me was my, God, was it my second time? So a a big thing for me was mental training. Mm -hmm. Like that became a huge focus for me. Um, But it didn't become a huge focus for me until after, I believe it was um, Laura de August. And I think it was the second time I fought her. And I lost, I believe, to some kind of submission. Um, I don't even remember at the time. But it was, it was so clear to me that it was a, it was, I was mentally losing before I even got in there. Um, Like, I just, it was almost like I was so scared of it happening that the second something would happen, I'd get, you know, she'd get close to a submission or somebody would get close to something. It was like, oh, I knew that was going to happen. You know, so it was like this self-fulfilling prophecy. And up until then, like I hadn't uh, really looked into the sports psychology side of anything at all. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that fight, like that fight was one where I really realized like what a detriment that was and what a huge impact that was having on me that pretty much like that's what was holding me back was like the mental training part of it or the mental training side of things. 
Um, and after that fight, I changed everything. And that's when I really got into the whole sports psychology. Like I started doing a ton of mental training just as a, that was a daily part of, of my life from there until the end of my career. And the next fight I had after that was completely different. Like I ended up in, in bad positions, um, just, just stuff before that before would have thrown me completely. So that fight always stuck out for me so much just because it was the thing that changed everything. Like I wouldn't, if I hadn't had that fight that gave me that realization of what a, a gaping hole it was for me anyway, um, I never would have started looking into that stuff. And I think it would have held me back forever because once I started changing that, it changed completely like how I was able to perform um, on fight night. Oh, wow. It's not necessarily the case for everybody, but for me, um, and, and then since then I've advocated, like the mental side of training has been a huge thing for our people. Like I've really tried to instill that in people that are interested in competing just because I feel like a lot of times that's what it comes down to, especially when you get into highly skilled people that are kind of evenly matched as far as physically, I feel like the mental, the mental side is what ends up deciding who wins, you mm-hmm. know, other than like somebody makes a te- technical mistake or you know, whatever, I feel like it's the, it's the mental side that ends up coming into play in the end. So Mm -hmm. that was kind of a, it's not very exciting to hear about, but it completely changed my career. Yeah. That's a huge aha. Yeah. That's, that's really, um, you know, a very kind of, whoa. Yeah, it really (laughs) was. This together. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna last long because something's gonna out edge me. Yeah, you know, with their thinking, it, you know, they, they always say like even Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there's a chess match. So that's a mental game right there. Yeah. And, and if you're going in already thinking that you're going to lose or afraid you're going to lose or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that, it's just like you, you can't possibly expect to do well going in feeling like that, you know, and you can't, it's not the type of thing. People don't realize mental training is the same as physical. Like you can't just read a book. And then it's different. Like you actually have to train it every day, just like you do with your physical training, or it doesn't actually take effect. <laughs> that's the, I think that's the part that even people that know it's important miss. You actually have to practice the skills, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Putting yourself in a fight or flight kind of situation or a high stress situation. Yep. yep. I changed my training around, um, you know, to be able to work on those parts during my physical training. Um, and it took me, it wasn't like a one day process. Like it took me a long time and I got better and better and better at it over the years. Um, but it's still, I probably is a never ending process. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anybody ever gets to a point where they're like, I'm completely infallible, you know? Mm -hmm. So So what, what do you do uh, to overcome that? What were like maybe three major things that you did to kind of combat that and to improve upon your mental game? Um, I think, so one of the biggest things, uh, and I think it is different for everybody as far as like, uh, back when I was fighting, we would do specific training, um, that would put you, uh, so far over your actual physical capacity, because that's, that would be the problem. You know, when you get in a fight, you get to a certain point of being tired where it's like, it can be very overwhelming, um, to your brain. It's kind of like your body is just like, I'm done. I don't even care anymore. I don't even want to keep going, you know, because the fatigue or you're so out of breath or whatever it is. Um, so we would set up training as a regular part of our fight camp where you were able to put your body, uh, into that level of stress 
where you could then practice the skills of not listening to the voices. Um, and I think what people do in those moments is different for everybody. For me, like I learned to constantly bring my mind back to certain things that I wanted to think about. Like I was always trying to focus on only what was in front of me. So I wasn't trying to think about anything else or let any other thoughts creep in, not how much time was left, not what else had happened. Like I was only looking at what was right in front of me, you know, like a position I was in, like, where was I going from there? So literally like then what is the next step? And that's the only thing I was thinking about. And I was also always trying to bring myself back to the mindset that I wanted to have. Like I always really tried to focus on where can I damage this person? You know, no matter where I, and not like in a weird, like out of control, <laughs> but that was the mentality that I really needed to have and worked constantly to instill in myself, no matter how bad of a position I was in or no matter how hurt I was or tired I was, I would keep bringing my mind back to where can I get to a place where I can do damage? Where can I do, how can I do damage from where I am? You know, and it was always bringing myself back to that, like, how can I, how can I hurt this person? You know, um, so that's what I would, that's what I would do. We would set up training that put you in that level of stress mentally and physically, you know, cause you'd have fresh people, you'd have, no, the demands were beyond what you were able to do. So it mimicked that feeling that happens in a fight. You know, so you had that chance to uh, bring yourself mentally to the place that you wanted to be, you know, and it was really hard to do. Like it, it like I said, it took, you know, continued practice over years. Mm. Yeah. And it's, well, too, I mean, men train in that, like kind of on a, since early, you know, their earlier years. So for, I think women to do that, I don't, I mean... I don't, I didn't get it like until late, much later in my life, what you're talking about. Like it just wasn't, um, out there or, yeah. you know, like, and, and so I, I don't know, you know, where your husband has, has played a role in your coaching and you guys have both been working together. I mean, is there a conversation about that? The differences between men and women in, in that type of training? Did, did you come up against that to help you with your training? Because I mean, he's very knowledgeable, obviously you are yeah. too, but you guys could compare notes and just see, like, even when you're training your newest students, do you notice there's a difference between the psychology of the way a, a, a female will approach the game and her stress re levels, as opposed to the way a man would in, in, in the, you know, in a high stress. Right. right. Well, I mean, it depends. So if you're talking about like MMA, um, for us, we don't train any differently based on gender, but by the time somebody gets to the level where they're fighting for us, mm -hmm. like they're well past, uh, they're so far into like how we do things and their skill level is so high that there is no, there's no need for any differences, mm -hmm. um, in training. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you're talking about like general people coming in, there is a definite difference. It's, you know, it's a generality, of course, there, there are exceptions to it, but I think women are always having to come in and overcome that uh, discomfort with the close physical contact, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that, that's almost always the thing that is so hard for them. Whereas mm -hmm. men generally come in not so uh, concerned about that part. Um, but I think it's always interesting because I think women pick up technique much, much faster, but it's harder to get them to be comfortable with like 
live training and training hard, mm -hmm. like men more often are willing to jump right in, but it is much harder to get them. They learn the technique part much, much slower. Like women, I find pick up the actual technical parts really quickly, mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of like, they're the opposite. Like men will jump right in and, you know, to a, a live training session, not knowing what they're doing and they're willing to do that part. Mm -hmm. But it's like the, the technical part is a little bit slower. So they're, they're sort of opposite. Yeah, I think I've, not, I've observed that myself, and I'm wondering if it has to do with um, different instances of confidence in different areas in their, in their psychology. Right. Like, you know, women might be confident, um, uh, you know, learning things and taking the time, the patience. Right. Maybe well, in technique, you can practice without it being a live situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, and in, in our school anyway, we have a very uh, specific and detailed curriculum. Um, and that's how people progress through our system. So they get a list right from the day they join of all these techniques. So it's like, this is your first stripe. This is the material you'd be testing on. So it's like for women, like they can drill those techniques over and over and over again, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, mm -hmm. that's something they're really good at doing. Mm -hmm. Um, getting to the point where they're comfortable trying to apply those, you know, in a live training situation is totally different. You know, so it's, um, that's definitely proves to be almost always the tougher thing for women. Hmm. That's interesting. I remember when I first started and I don't know if you still get this, but you know, like if it, there was more men, I, there was very few females that were training. And you know, if, if I whacked a guy, I'd be like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like constantly yeah. saying, Oh my God, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. you know, like I'm sorry. And and, and I find sometimes I'll do, I'll still do that a little bit, but not, not like I, in the beginning, that was like a huge thing. And they're like, you don't have to say you're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think that is very much like a conditioned, um, female thing for sure. Just in our society in general, you yeah. know what I mean? I think without even realizing it, like we are basically taught, you know, don't, don't make a, don't make a fuss. Don't cause waves. Don't take up too much space. Don't, you know, so it's almost like there's just this thing where we're always supposed to be kind of smaller and don't, don't do anything. And I think that gets ingrained so young. You do hear that all the time. Women are always like, you know, I'm and sorry so for this. I'm sorry for that. And you definitely don't, you know, so doubting, doubting yourself. Like, yeah. you know, if you do something accurate too, I, I, I know I've, this is me. Like I, I've come up against these things and, and I, I'm wondering if it's kind of getting, you know, I'm hoping with the rise of women in mixed martial arts, because it's such a powerful platform for women to be on, um, in, in the grappling or in say, uh, Muay Thai kickboxing, boxing, any of, any of those kind of, um, you know, singular like sports where you're really kind of in there and, and, uh, competing yeah. on, on that level. Um, but I, I find that it's kind of like a self-confidence thing where, or people, women tend to self doubt. And, and I think yeah. that's part of me, you know, like earlier on saying, Oh, sorry, yeah. and giggling. And say, because it's like men typically are told be confident. even if you don't know what the hell you're doing, women aren't told that we're not yeah. you know, like told that, but I think it's, it's kind of changing. Do you notice that a little bit with say some of the younger, you know, your younger students that are coming in that, you know, you, you must have kids classes. Do you have kids classes? We don't. So we have, uh, a black belt of ours open to kids only school. Oh. That's probably, I don't know, 10 minutes down the road or something. 
So now they're kind of separate. So he has the kids program. And then once they hit 16, then they come over to our place and enter the adults program. So it's kind of separated out that way. But it is like what you're saying is true. Like the women come in and it is almost always, it's, it's a huge exception to have a woman come in and just be confident right off the bat. Yeah. It's almost always a building up process um, and of getting them to have that realization of like, I can do this. You know, I can actually do this and be okay and even be successful at it. Um, and like you said, with men, they generally don't, even if they feel that way, they try real hard not to show it. You know what I mean? It's like men are nervous when they come in too, but it's like they, women are okay coming in saying, this is terrifying. Like I'm nervous to do this. You know, men don't come in and say that they're just, you know, they pretend that they're not. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, you're also in a, in a, you, you have um, some credentials behind you. You, you actually did get in the cage. You fought. Did you ever come up, up, come up against, um, you know, where you were instructing and, and um, feeling some self doubt about your instruction when you were instructing, say, um, a predominantly male group? I didn't, so I don't really do group teaching. So I always like have focused a lot more on coaching people that are getting into competition. Um, that's been my thing. Like Jay's thing is teaching. Like he, he teaches the group classes like that is his calling and gift in life. He's amazing at it. Mm -hmm. I've always been much more interested and focused on actually coaching people that have gotten into the competition part. And I think, and I never really ran up against that, um, in that setting, mm -hmm. which I think I was fortunate enough to have been in the sport and had some success. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I was able to go in and, and have a certain level of respect right off the bat. So I didn't really run into that thing where it was like, you know, people questioned me or, and when we opened, like I had already been doing it for a while. So everybody coming in was like new and they didn't know anything. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of already set up and I, and I could show them footage of like, here's me doing this thing that you have no clue how to do and probably wouldn't dare to do yet. You know what I mean? So it just set it up in a way where there was a, there just seemed to be a certain level of respect that kind of happens uh, right away. You know, so I, I think that probably does happen to a lot of women, mm -hmm. especially women that do teach group classes. Um, I was very fortunate in the sense that, you know, that didn't happen to me. And maybe because I'm not that interested in teaching group classes, I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. probably would have, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. but I definitely think that happens for sure. Yeah. Who would you say has played a meaningful role in, in your life's journey and influenced you in a positive way? Um, God, like in general, like I would always say Jay, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, sports related stuff. Like we just, we've always been such a team mm -hmm. um, and played off of each other. And I think it really always tried to help each other grow and be better. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think I, I would always, and he's been my partner forever, you know, so I'd always go back to him. Um, mm -hmm. My mom as well, you know, like she's, I have a great relationship with her and um, my group of important people in my life is very, very small. Mm -hmm. yeah, so it's Jay and I are both pretty, I wouldn't say we're antisocial, but we're definitely, uh, our circle of people that get in the circle is real small. Mm 
-hmm. You know, we may have a lot of people on the outside of that circle, but our actual circle is real little. Mm -hmm. And everybody in that circle, I would say, is, is pretty influential uh, and meaningful in my life, for sure. That's awesome. Um, what was the toughest, um, what was one of your toughest fights? I, 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 the ones that I picked were um, Jennifer Howe, because I know you mentioned that to me one, one other time. Then there was Tara La Rosa and then uh, Takeo um, Hashi. Well, she, so that fight, I would say, was my hardest fight, that last one, um, and probably worst memory, because I so, like, if I could do that fight over again, like, that would be the fight I would pick. If I got to pick one to do over again, I would pick that one, um, because I so perform, uh, underperformed. Mm -hmm. So I was so mentally off for that fight. Um, it's just one of those, like, it's not a fight I should have even taken. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like, you know, that at the time, because of, if you're not in a good mental place to go through the training camp and do the fight, like you shouldn't do the fight. Mm -hmm. I was not in a good place to do a fight and mm -hmm. did it anyway, because that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was so off for it and it just was, so it was really tough. Like it's one thing to go in and lose. It's another thing to go in and lose and feel like you might as well not even have been there. You know, like that is a much more painful memory for me than like mm -hmm. my fight with uh, Jen Howe, you know, I lost that, you know, but that was like, a, I felt like I was there and I gave that my best effort. And, you know, even the fight with Tara, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, I felt like I did well. I felt like I was, you know, my effort mentally and physically was great. You know, it was the most I could do. Like, so it's not even the winning and losing. It is literally the, um, the performance and how much of myself I felt like I w was actually there. And that fight was just horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a, that would, I definitely would count that as my worst one by far. Yeah. So, I mean, you could, you could chalk that one up to an experience of maybe failure and, and then how would, how, how what did you learn from that? And then, and then what did you do to, you know, kind of overcome that? Well, that's a, that's one of the bummers about it is I didn't really get to overcome it. You know what I mean? Because I didn't get to have that experience after it where you then go in and, you know, fix things or change things or adjust things because that was my last fight. So right. um, I definitely think I don't even remember the actual physical part of the fight because it all seemed irrelevant to me because it all it was like I lost the fight before I even got in there. You know what I mean? So it wasn't so there were technical mistakes. Like I could pick yeah. a million things to fix as far as that. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely one of those, like you don't take a fight when you know you're not in a spot because of something going on in your life or, you know, whatever it is, that's going to make it so you cannot train properly or show up properly. Mm -hmm. Like you don't take those fights, you yeah. know, and it's really hard uh, as a fighter. It's really hard to turn down fights, you know, especially, especially back, back then. then. Like, that was just our, you know, that was the way we did yeah. things. Like you didn't pick yeah. your fights, you know, you didn't choose uh, your opponents. Like you took what was in front of you and when it was offered, you took it. Like that's how we did things, you know? So it just, it would not have occurred to me back then to say, you know, I just can't do this one, you know? And probably now, um, you know, I mean, your ego gets different too when you get older, you know? So now like that's something that I would feel differently about, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you feel okay with that now? Like, um, when you look back at it, um, are you okay with it? You kind of reconciled it and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like enough time goes by on anything and it's just yeah. like, you have to sort of let it go, yeah. you know, 
it's uh there is no going back you don't get to do it over you know so it's um and i think if you do learn something from it then it it ends up being fine in the long run you know so it's mm -hmm. it's fine now yeah um can you share a story of a time in your oh i like that one we already had <laughs> Next. <laughs> that was, that was the, the, the failure one, the journey. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, anything that keeps you up at night? What, what, what keeps you up at night? Oh, God. I mean, that's like a... <laughs> anything, anything recent? Oh, I, have lifetime in, I have lifetime insomnia, so I don't know if that's like a... <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, like I've had insomnia forever. So I don't know that there are specific things that keep me up at night. Uh, more so just, you know horrible sleep runs in my family. So chances are I'm probably awake. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So there's not really anything that's like, you know, I just ruminate on it over and over and over again. Yeah. You must be like high energy then. I, I think if you don't sleep that much. I don't know what it is. It seems like my, uh, is, my system is backwards or something. You know, sometimes at nighttime, my brain will just feel like it's supposed to feel in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been like that since I was a kid. You know, so it's just, it's one of those constant, you know, mm -hmm. struggles that I think probably a lot of people have where you just can't sleep. <laughs> what do you do about it? Um, it depends. Sometimes I'll try different supplements, you know, like sometimes melatonin works and sometimes it doesn't seem to work at all. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I consider it a good night if I get a total of like four to five hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. um, and then sometimes I'll get in a stretch where it is like days of pretty much no sleep. Um, but there's just... There's not a lot I can do except just know that eventually, like that, and I go back to this a little bit. So yeah. it's I haven't found a great answer for it. Do you ever try meditation or anything like that? Or yeah, that's one of those things that it's like I should be doing yes. um, and should be doing on a daily basis, but uh, don't make myself. Mm -hmm. um, I do try and do it and want it to be part of my daily routine. I just haven't quite gotten there yet with it. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what has been the greatest challenge, uh, when dealing with fear and how do you overcome it? Um, I think, uh, I think that kind of goes back to like the mental stuff, you know, cause that was, I mean, fear is what all that stuff is wrapped up in, you know, fear of failure, fear of disappointing people. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's all, it wasn't that I was afraid of losing per se. It was everything that's attached to that. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Of letting people down of all of that stuff. So I think that that for me was very much tied into you can have the fears, but you can't listen to them and you have to learn to actually be in control of what's happening in your head, you know, because that's what was happening before is that just ran rampant and had complete control over what was happening. Mm -hmm. So it was just a matter of training that to, you know, you can exist and it's normal to feel those things, but you can't be in control of what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need to take a back seat right now because we need to do something. Right, right. What, do you, uh, what are three, to three things that you do that are essential to your success in leading an empowered life? Um, training. Like training is, training for me is um, mental health. You know, like it is, it is something that I need to do to be uh, mentally okay. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always been a struggle. So if I can't train for some reason, which has happened a bunch over the past however many years, um, it starts to become difficult to stay out of a bad uh, cycle. You know, it's mm -hmm. definitely, I mean, I'd say physical activity in general, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but training is always the thing that, you know, if I'm feeling really bad mentally, I can go and train and see a complete difference when I'm done with it. Um, so physical activity and training specifically, for sure. Um, I always try to make a uh, really concerted effort to continue to focus on trying to become better. Um, that's probably the biggest thing. And in every way. So never getting to a point where I'm kind of okay with, uh, you know, who I am or what I'm doing, like always trying to have that awareness and consciousness of um, pushing myself to become a better version of myself. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think that ever ends, you know, and I think it, it's, it's something that is always a challenge. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest things, keeping my focus on doing that mm-hmm. and not getting caught up in other stuff. Um, so that's something that's super essential. If I stopped doing that, I think I, I don't know, like that's kind of the main point of life to me. Yeah. Uh, Those I think are my two biggest things really. Um, and then just trying to, I think it kind of relates to being a better person, but trying to focus on doing positive things in general for, you know, it's not like the positive things I do make a difference for the world, Mm -hmm. but I feel like if everybody was trying to focus on doing positive things and just bringing positive uh, energy to their day and the people they encounter, if everybody decided to do that, it would make a difference. Oh, so absolutely. it's like, I can't control everybody. I can only control myself. So I try to focus a lot on that also. So those are kind of the things that I keep running through my head um, and bring myself back to you know, especially as I find my, cause they're really challenging for me. You know, it's not like I don't have struggles that make those things hard. It's just, those are the things I come back to that feel like my, my purpose and the things I need to focus on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how do you see yourself as a role model for, um, girls or young women, um, who are coming up in, in martial arts? I think it's, it's always, uh, I really feel like if you're a role model, it's because of what you're doing. You know what I mean? It's, it's how you act. Um, so in our gym, like I just, I don't know that I am a role model, but I try and act in a way where what they are seeing is how I would want them to act, you know? So whether it's like in training or whether it's interacting with other students or, I mean, honestly, that's part of the, a huge part of the motivation for doing this competition is like, we ask our students to put themselves out there in whatever way that means to them, you know what I mean? And to challenge themselves and to uh, push themselves through things that are scary. Um, So for me, part of doing this competition is to kind of show them like, look, like we still do this too. You know what I mean? Like we are still willing to put our money where our mouth is, you know? So it's, it's, that's a big part of kind of like my motivation for doing this. Um, so I think that's, that's it. Like I try and act in a way where if my behavior was modeled back, I would think that was a good thing. Right. You're leading by example. Trying to, trying yeah, to. That's awesome. Um, this is a question I ask all, all everybody is, um, you know, were you ever told no or kept from doing something you wanted to because you were a woman? And if so, how did you handle it? God, um, I think I really don't have a definitive memory of that happening. Um, but I feel like all through my, the beginning of my career, that was just kind of a general 
feeling. So I don't know that there was ever like a show that I contacted a promoter and they said flat out, you know, no, I'm not going to put you on this card because you are a woman. But it was like, I feel like that was kind of a pervasive mentality in general that you felt like you were always fighting against, you Mm -hmm. know, so which was part of the pressure that I felt every time I fought, I felt like I was being an example of what women fighters were or could be. So it's like every time I went out, I wanted to show people that women could do it. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know that I have a specific example of somebody that was like, no, you can't do this because you're a girl or because you're whatever. Um, You know, training wise, I was always very supported. Uh, I was very lucky in the environments that I ended up in right off the bat. Um, But like I said, I think it was more an overall, uh, like the comments that you would get, some of the things that would be yelled out of the audience that were very specific to you being a girl. Um, and at the time, like I had a shaved head or, you know, short spiky hair. So then I got that end of it also, because not only was I a female fighting, but you know, I was a female fighting that looked like a boy, (laughs) you know? So it was like, it it was more that overall, um, dealing with that kind of attitude, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what motivates you now? Um, I think as far as like doing this competition or in general, um, it could be both, both. Yeah. I think uh, what motivates me now is the stuff I said before. So like in order for me to continue to kind of push to try and become better, like in every way possible, like I have to keep doing these things, mm-hmm. you know, like I have to keep training. I have to keep trying to improve. Like I have to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I can't picture a mentally healthy version of myself uh, mm-hmm. where training wasn't a part of that. You know, so for me, it's something I have to do uh, to keep myself healthy. So that is the motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, My life goes drastically downhill if I hit a point where I'm not able to train. You know, there's a very clear association between those things. So that's a strong motivating factor. You know, like I can't really be happy without training in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's motivation enough right there. Awesome. So any parting words of wisdom? Well, I definitely don't feel like I have words of wisdom. Um, I really think the, yeah, I really don't have words of wisdom. I don't think. I just think like if people, I really think people should take the opportunity to do things that challenge themselves, you know, because when you do that, like it forces you to become a stronger, better person. And I think if everybody was trying to become the strongest and best version of themselves, the whole planet would be a better place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, jujitsu is a great way to do that. So like I encourage everybody to do jujitsu. <laughs> of course I'm biased, but like jujitsu, MMA, whatever it happens to be compete. If that's scary to you, like any of those things, if they, if they scare you, like embrace them and do them. Like that would be, I guess my, uh, my words of wisdom. Awesome. So um, you are fighting on July 14th in Tingsville, yep, Mass. Yep. Um, your opponent is Gabby Romero. Yep. Uh, do you yep. know anything about her? I don't. I know she's um, one of Alberto Crane's black belts. Um, and Alberto is good friends with my teacher, Amal. So um, I know Alberto. So I, I know she's very legit because Alberto is very legit. Um, so I know where she comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect her to be really tough. Uh, Jay watched some tape on her, um, some of her matches. I saw a little bit, but mostly he watches it and then just gives me kind of a game plan. Um, but it's the same thing I did in fighting. I really, really try and 
focus more on what I'm doing, less on kind of the other person and, you know, what their particular things may be. It, it works out better for me mentally if I do it that way. Sure. So will you, will you be coaching Jay and he'll be yep. coaching you? Yeah, kind of like I was really disappointed because I was hoping that like I would go first, like of the, at least of the three, I was really hoping I'd go early in the night. Mm-hmm. And I'm last out of the three of us, and I don't go until 10.06 at night. <laughs> so it was kind of the opposite. So Jay will uh, coach Paul, and then I'll go out and coach Jay, and then Jay will come back out and coach me. Cool. So it's like a, yeah. So um, for a little, like, you know, a little ending kind of commercial that I can post a little thing to help promote your fight this weekend, yep. um, you have any, like, shout-outs you want to give or where people could get tickets or anything like that? Yeah, so, I mean, tickets, if you're local, you can get tickets from our gym. Um, you can also get tickets online. Uh, I think it's, like, see, I'm so horrible at, like, self-promotion, cagetix.com, I think, is there uh, where you can get tickets online. But then it's also, um, it's streamed live on Flow Grappling. So, you know, for people that aren't local, like you can watch it, uh, you can join and then watch the whole entire event on Flow Grappling. So everybody can see it. Cool. Yeah. So this was great. I'm, I'm so thrilled that we could have you on um, the, the show um, today and tonight just before your fight. And uh, I know it's, are you like a little kind of like, you know, excited, nervous or whatever to be, um, you know, fighting where you haven't had a match in, in maybe a long time. Oh yeah. It's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Like I hate this part, you know, it's like, I mean, it's scary for sure. I am excited about it. Um, but there's, yeah, like that's a long time to not compete, you know, like it's a long time to not do a grappling match. Um, and part of me is like, this was a horrible idea. I should have just picked a small local grappling tournament and got my feet wet in that and instead went the complete opposite way. But I think for me, that's a better way to do it. Like I, I needed that, uh, having that goal and having that specific thing to train for. And I love the promotion. I love the event that it's submission only. So it's like, I'm excited about it for sure. Um, along with the terror. <laughs> <laughs> the whole package. Yeah, the whole, the whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, we wish you well, and um, we'll look forward to seeing. I, I don't know if I can make it, but I'm going to try to. It's it's Saturday night, uh, yep. July 14th, and yep. and uh, head on down to Tingsboro, Mass. Where, where yeah. is it? Where in Tingsboro? What what stadium? Or is it, uh, it begins with a T, but I can't remember off the top of my Why head. Tingsboro Stadium. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to look it up and I'll post it in, in, uh, in a link and I'll post yeah. it on Facebook. Okay, but cool. Thanks again. And um, this was really great catching up with you to see where you're at yeah. and all the, all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thanks so you much. Too. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, it was great. It was great chatting with you and reminiscing too. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right. Maybe we'll chat again soon. Yes, hopefully. All right. All right. Take, take care. care. Bye. Bye. So, wow, that was um, MMA pioneer Amanda Buckner. How great was that to hear a little bit of history about women's mixed martial arts from a woman that has been there, seen it all, and now actually teaches and has been teaching up in um, Portland, Maine at the Academy of MMA with her husband, Jay Jack. So um, I'd like to thank Amanda for coming on the show. It was great to see you. 
So if you like what you heard today and are eager to hear more, remember to subscribe, download on iTunes, or better yet, 10x your energy without destroying your body by signing up for my free three-part video course where you will also be included to get updates on upcoming guests and the latest Evolve WMMA episodes. So you can sign up at my blog at www.evolvewmma.com or you can simply follow us at facebook.com backslash I love WMMA. This is Shelley Devine. Until next time, thanks for listening.